Okay. Whenever you are ready, I am ready. Okay, I'm good to go. Okay. <clears throat> Do you need uh, some seconds of roll? No, I think I got it. Is the window open too much? No, it's good. It's good. We're good. You're a magician. We're good. Monster Manual Mash. That's the show we're doing right now. We're on Bullet or Bullet. I don't know how to pronounce it exactly because it's a little bit of a delicate word, it looks like. Yeah, it is. Bullet, Bullet. Bullet, yeah. I've actually heard it pronounced that. Bullet. Uh, I don't know. And I don't necessarily care because it's <laughs> a made up monster. Yeah. Like they're all made up, but this one is especially made up it's extra 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 made up yeah Yeah. extra fictional the extra fiction is uh free (laughs) it is a massive predator wait should we we (laughs) intro i forget i always forget how we uh what the format for the show is um i'm wes (laughs) i'm chris this is monster manual mash uh where we talk about we go through the entire dungeon dragons fifth edition monster manual and talk about each and every monster uh, in, in various ways, where it came from, what it's based on, what it's been like in different editions, and like, how can you change about it to make it more interesting? How is it secretly way more weird than appears on page? Um, and like, what is implied by what we can read and look at? Um, and how can we follow these things to their logical conclusions? To, or their illogical conclusions. Or their illogical as conclusions. As we go on, uh, very long tangents. Tangents are a big part of it, yeah. And so the the bullet, the bullet, mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a it's a massive predator that terrorizes any lands it inhabits. It is also called a land shark, and it attacks with no regard for superior numbers or superior strength. So it just goes for it. Yeah, they are underground hunters. They burrow with their claws. They uproot trees and they cause landslides and sinkholes. These are all very good um, environmental things these are good like hints of um, a big animal you don't want to mess with yeah and are good warning signs to put around and especially if they don't know what the the bullet is yeah it asks the question which is pretty cool it's like why have these trees fallen down yeah what is this like long piles of upturned dirt everywhere and sinkholes are great because you can get trapped in one and then it's a little bit of a dangerous encounter i think it's great uh to put these kinds of hints in the monster descriptions because i think it is an overlooked detail an overlooked thing to help dms with is to not only just populate the world with monsters that's fine you can do that easily but like how do you hint at a monster turn tape over (laughs) this is uh picking up where where i left off environmental hints they don't tell you uh they often don't tell you like what characters might be seeing 
minutes before they actually see the monster or like what telltale signs of the monster is they might hint at it sometimes or it's like if you kind of read into it and think about it then you might come up with reasons but like this is great this is like there are uprooted trees yeah there are sinkholes there are uh landslides yeah great use it put them in the the game otherwise these are um missed opportunities because it's always fun to play with expectations yeah and to, to like elicit fear and um like maybe not capital F fear, but to like make the players a bit on edge and like ready for something. And then when you spring it on them, then there's like the, um, it all, it all comes around and it all makes sense. And that's yeah. kind of a rewarding experience. Yeah, totally. So they, so they have these good things. They listen to or feel vibrations in the soil. Yeah. That alert it to something is near. And then it shoots up to the surface with its jaws wide open. Great. Yeah. Good stuff. Cool. It is a wandering monster. It says so right there. Yeah. This is this is like one of the most straight up monsters in the whole yeah. book, I it's, think. It could show up anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. It's a wandering monster. It dislikes dwarf and elf flesh, even though it will kill them without knowing what they are first. Yeah. But it loves halfling flesh. Yeah. It's... <laughs> It loves halfling flesh most and is never happier than when chasing a plump halfling across an open field. Right. (laughs) So with that sentence, you can picture um, it might be hard for this creature to smile. But if it's happily chasing something, you can actually imagine it like smiling with glee as it like... Like a dog chasing a steak or like a hot dog tail or Tail wagging if yeah. it has a tail. Yeah. Um, and a plump halfling. Like this is definitely a comedy thing. Yeah. Uh, because the this description, I'm, I'm kind of going to, I was thinking I would read some of later on after we've gone through the fifth yeah. edition book. Yeah. A lot of the descriptions for the other editions because they're pretty different, but for like, I can't tell why. Yeah. Uh, just to change things for the sake of changing things. But one of the things that is endured is this like uh, chasing halflings <laughs> because it must have been, I bet you this was like a Gygax uh, hit against one of his halfling, like somebody in his party <laughs> playing a halfling. Yeah. And made it like this uh, fantasy comedy about how tasty halflings are. Yeah. <laughs> Or just this halfling adventurer who's constantly plagued by, like, there's always bullets. It's a swarm of bullets yeah, coming at him like, every day. Can't hang out in one spot long enough before a bullet, like, sneaks up on you. That's kind of an... I wonder if that's, like, a, a cultural thing. Like, halflings in your in your world could be, like, forever plagued by being tasty <laughs> yeah, to certain creatures. That's, yeah, that's one of the, the main, like, issues they have, like, as a, as a society, as a species, is that they're really tasty to all kinds of monsters. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that has come up with other creatures, too. Well, wh- which part? I can't, the being, half, like, liking to eat halflings. Oh, really? I feel like they, I can't tell you specifically, maybe we'll come across it later, um, but they're, I feel like halflings get eaten by a lot of monsters. I imagine they must. Yeah. I think that's why D&D halflings are different than the Tolkien halflings because yeah. they simply by how hostile the world is, I think all of the nice hobbits living in the Shire have long since died off and are yeah. now replaced by these like crafty Bilbo halflings. Yeah, totally. They like I don't I'm not really thinking of like Shire hobbits when I think of like D&D halflings. I I, I know that there's like a direct connection yeah. between them, but like I'm not really picturing these like pastoral, you know, Yeah. Like... I, I think because D&D also borrows a lot from Tolkien, I yeah. think in my head anyways, you can kind of look at it like uh the world used to be Middle-earth and then fast forward thousands of years where yeah. all of the Shire 
hobbits have been eaten. Yeah. And the only halflings that have survived were the ones like post Bilbo yeah. who actually became adept adventurers and, and travelers and yeah. things. So now they've evolved to be different. Um, but they still have that flavor that monsters crave. Yeah. And I think, <laughs> I think uh, that would be a really fun like homebrew rule if you were kind of going, I think you have to go a little lighter on the overall rules, but you could have like one of the traits of a halfling be that whenever there's a wandering monster, there's like a one in six chance that it is like specifically going after the halfling because yeah. it's so tasty. <laughs> and that's just like a, like a curse of being a halfling. Mm-hmm. Um, where, where, <laughs> Speaking of tangents, also another, this is another weird tangent about like what monsters taste like. This is the second one in a row. Oh yeah, great. That came up on its own this time. That did, very organically. Do you know there's a, there's a manga, I forget what it's called, but it's specifically about this topic. It's about like dungeon delving D&D style for the explicit purpose of acquiring ingredients. Oh no, I don't know anything about this. It's like cooking explorers who like want the best ingredients like for themselves. They're not getting it for like a patron. They just want to cook. They, they need the ingredients personally. Oh, that's fantastic. But they're like, they're like parties of four to five adventurers who with like complimenting (laughs) skills going on like dungeon crawls, but they're like everything they encounter. They're like breaking down into ingredients. That's awesome. (laughs) I've I've never read it, but I hear good things. And maybe we will learn more because it seems to be relevant to the way the show is going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, yeah. Plump halflings. Uh, they have no lair. The bullet is no lair. 30 mile hunting ground. And it moves on when nothing is left. Uh, it kind of turns up around villages and populated areas. And they don't leave until the prey do or the bullet itself is killed. So it can't be reasoned with. It can't be uh, scared away. And it treats everything as prey. Mm-hmm. It treats everything as prey, even other bullets. Uh, and it, its mating is bloody and often ends in the female killing and eating the male, as we see in nature sometimes. Yeah. Um, but like, a, that's, I have no problem with that as like a thing that's real, but it's just like an odd thing to include here. <laughs> I don't know why you need to know that when like so little about the rest of its uh, life is unknown. Yeah, that's because that's... so little of it is known that why this one... I guess because that would be like, it's a pretty violent thing to see. So I imagine it would like kick up a lot of dust when yeah. it happens. So would maybe you like, would see it. Imagining the, the, you know, the adventurers who were running around like cataloging monsters or at least trying to do that. Yeah. That's the kind of thing because it'd be a, it'd be a spectacle. That's the kind of thing you would, you would stumble upon. Collecting right? the Pokedex. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, but also that's like, cause there's, you know, that takes up like a good, good chunk of like just the volume of text here, you know, of everything we have on the bullet is that the, the, they, yeah, they it's like a, each other. It's a, yeah. it's like a full paragraph, yeah. small paragraph, but it's mm-hmm. like, yeah. But I, maybe that, that just hammers home that like, these are just like animals. They're just, they're just predatory animals. Totally. Right? Yeah. That does, that does do that job very yeah. well of like, these are purely animals they act much like animals that exist in our world uh especially the insects right usually i think it's mostly insects that do that i'm not aware of any mammals that do that or whatever these things are um i mean there i i i I, there are probably some reptiles that do it too there probably are but i imagine there must be yeah right so um like the only thing i can really bring to mind are uh praying mantises and some species of spider yeah black widow spiders right yeah um I don't know if other uh, larger non-insect or arachnid 
things do that. But it is a good way, you're right, yeah. as you say, of like just pointing out how uh, pure instinct these things yeah. are going on. Yeah. I also like that it mentions that, mentions that they like have no sense of when they're like punching above their weight in terms of what they try to eat. Yeah. They'll just go for it. doesn't matter what it is. They it, like, could be like a, you know, a, a fire giant stomping around and be like, oh, I'm going to eat this thing, you know? Yeah. Which is sometimes what is required to actually put it over the top. Yeah. Right. This with an attitude like that. Um, it actually kind of brings to mind. I remember a long time ago, I read, uh, I used to read a lot of alien and predator comics. Oh, yeah. And alien versus predator comics. Sweet. <laughs> and one of the, the takes, one of the, I read it, there's an anthology, it's like a bunch of short comic book stories. Yeah. And one of them was about, was written from the perspective of a predator uh, whose name, their name for themselves, they have a, like a species name, but I can't remember it. Yeah which I wish I could remember because it feels weird to keep calling them the predator or <laughs> yeah. a predator. Yeah. Uh, the predator is going on like a ritual hunt to come into the, to come of age. Yeah. As a, as a thing that they do. And they do this by seeding worlds with uh, the xenomorphs, yeah. the aliens, yeah. and then they hunt them on the world. Um, and the xenomorphs take on the attributes of whatever they like. Yeah. To, to, to one degree or another, uh, Different stories kind of take right. that to an extreme okay. and other stories kind yeah. of forget about it. Um, in this one, it was kind of forgotten. It was just kind of like a more of a typical xenomorph yeah. uh, alien thing. And so it's, it's fighting it and it's all this like in, uh, interior monologue of the predator kind of um, reflecting on the, its way of life and... Like, is this really the way we should be doing it? And then he he goes through the process of doing it and he's really affirmed by like how it makes him feel and how like why this test is necessary for yeah. his culture and all this stuff. As he's experiencing it, he's kind of convinced that it's actually like, wow, this is this is a pretty good thing to be doing. And then uh, the fight goes down to a certain comes to a, a head at some point where like the other participants, the other predators have been killed and he's the only one and he's yeah. fighting the last a xenomorph of the test right and he's just like man this is like the utmost this is like the most alive i've ever felt and it's like so tragic but also so uh beautiful yeah um and then there's like an explosion he sets off and it separates him and the uh the xenomorph and they're both lying on the ground like kind of 20 feet from each other and the predator is dying but he's looking at his his opponent and he's like then he like the the xenomorph looks dead and they're they're both lying there dying and he's like man this was like so poetic and like i'm gonna die here but like i've lived a full predator life yeah. and then the xenomorph like kind of gets up and starts slow like it's like missing half its body yeah. but it's like crawling towards him mm -hmm. and then he's like oh no oh my god oh my god no this thing has no like i've been feeling all of these things this whole time and like it's such a poetic end for us both to die here yeah but this creature coming towards me has none of that it has nothing in its mind yeah. except the will to live and it doesn't care about honor it doesn't care about the the ritual of what's been happening or why it's why it's doing what it's doing it's yeah. purely surviving and it's gonna kill me now and it's gonna live a little bit longer and it doesn't care about any of this yeah and that's the end of the the comic is like the thing like moments away from uh, killing right. the predator. And that for some reason that always stuck out as like um, the that's like the answer to uh, the the myth of the the glorious warrior. Yeah, is like real survival, real uh, like glory belongs to the insects of the world. Yeah, of the things that like do totally. not care about pain or uh, the 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 hardships. Yeah, because it's not 
uh it's not helpful yeah because well, your your like value systems are like uh to a certain extent arbitrary and they die with their last believer right right so it's hard to it's hard to yeah it kind of reminds me of um it is a similar sort of thing very very big tangent but um uh uh the, the one like oh uh, what i'm about to say is further away from everything but in the movie the yes. right stuff <laughs> um which is about the first which is a secret alien versus predator movie secret that no alien one knows about <laughs> yeah it's um it's it's about the the first um, American missions to space after uh, the Soviets did it first, and so they get these uh, true story of course, and they get these uh, test pilots to be like, "You're the first astronauts, go do this thing." And this is one test pilot, Chuck Yeager, I think is his name, which is a sweet <laughs> test pilot name. Sweet name. And he doesn't. He doesn't. I think that's the name for predators, actually. Chuck Yeager's. <laughs> yeah, and he doesn't. He doesn't go become an astronaut because he just wants to fly weird planes. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a moment and he's in the beginning of the movie and then it follows other people and it cuts back to him like in an airbase cafeteria overhearing other people talking about like, I don't know, like it's all computers that control these, these rocket ships that go into space and come back down. Nobody's flying anything. Nobody's steering anything. There's no reason for a person to be there. They mm-hmm. put chimps in there and the chimps go up and come down. No problem. So like, why are we giving all these people? They're like wondering what's so special about these astronauts. Right. And Chuck Yeager says like, well, yeah, a chimp could do that, but a chimp doesn't appreciate that it's in a giant, like, <laughs> <laughs> you know 10 story tall right like pile of explosives that it could explode at any moment and doesn't really appreciate that is going into like the vacuum of space and coming back down and uh, uh so like the value of going of being an astronaut was like the appreciation of the the absurdity and the danger of it and like sure you could just get a computer to do everything or you could not put a human in that but like why you admire an astronaut because it's different now because astronauts do more stuff now but the first ones didn't do anything except sit there and like you really know, i would have thought they would have done more because well, we had more automation there well there's it was actually um mechanical gyroscopes that did almost all of it so it was it was just these it was it was uh the same technology that the germans used for v2 rockets right. to get them to just like launch from germany and fly across the ocean and land somewhere and yeah. britain got like uh more with the same exact scientists working on it for the americans got more and more specific to the point where they could get it so that you could send the mercury rockets straight into space and come back down at, into the ocean somewhere and have it work pretty much automated it was all gyroscopes right. and like analog technology to the this stuff um and then the human was there the the human was the astronaut was there to keep an eye on the instruments and be in communication with the base to monitor to monitor everything and and to give more accurate readouts because there was no steering there was no controls there wasn't really you, you weren't flying this rocket really at any point um you were you were there to document it, right? Mm-hmm. But the, the 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 reason why these astronauts were admirable um, was because they were like aware of what was happening around them, right? Yeah. So like the, the but that's like a value system that just the the humans have. That this is like a weird mental human thing that you put in there. This is like a like a like a, a sentience thing. So with the with the predator, right? Like dying with that xenomorph that is like the xenomorph just trying to survive, trying to get to it. It's like oh crap, my value system doesn't actually matter. You know, yeah, it doesn't match. It's, yeah, what you're dealing with. Yeah, reality is uh, like nature is. It's 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 indifferent to this kind of value yeah. evaluation. So the the bullet is like this murder machine, right? That doesn't care about anything. Yeah, it doesn't understand stuff really. It just it just wants to eat things. You know, and there's it doesn't uh, you know uh, uh, kind of like the xenomorph. Um, but. Uh, yeah, I guess, and, and so, like, winding up in combat with it, it's, it, it, like you were saying before, it's not, like, this glorious poetic end, necessarily, because yeah. that goes away with you, you know? Yeah. Unless you have some god watching over you that's taking notice of these things. I guess that's how it changes in fantasy <laughs> In this, in the, yeah. uh, in the, in the proprietary D&D setting, 
possibly. Although I don't yeah. think gods, they don't notice everything. No. They're not omnipotent. They only notice things that catch their attention. Yeah. I think is how it works. Yeah. You got to pray real hard to get their attention. Yeah. Make so some sacrifices. So I think you're still out of, uh, out of range. <laughs> yeah. If a, if a, if a bullet is just chasing a halfling across a, a field, I don't think yeah. anyone's looking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. But the, I think it's, um, kind of important to talk about what we were just talking about because a lot of these other monsters are human intelligence or halfway there. Yeah. Or or animals, and the thing that separates most animals from the bullet, I think, yeah. or the bullet, um, the Bueller, is that there's no fear at all. It says there's no fear. It's not afraid of other things. Nothing. It's not afraid of anything. Whereas if you are using animals that are trying to uh, ambush or attack people for um, for food, they would probably run away if they are uh, uh, on. If they're outmatched. Yeah. But the bullet, it says it does not care, which either means it is like lacking whatever part of the brain tells you to run away. Yeah. Um, Or maybe that's just it. Maybe that's exactly what that means. It's like, that's how you play it differently from other creatures, first of all. Because I would usually like, um, I think retreating is should be a part of what the DM does. Yeah. Um, and picking different moments to retreat depending on how the monster works. Yeah. Never retreat with a bullet. Yeah. No matter what. Doesn't matter what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is I think interesting because most things that don't retreat are uh like underlings like zombies or I think I said like the some of the smaller blights. Yeah, or like a just, golem, like any kind of construct. Yeah, or things like programs. Things without really lives of their own, but yeah. this has a life of its own. It's just that it is chosen or it is incapable of feeling fear. Maybe it's like maybe it's like that. Yeah, like there are people. Um, I think I saw a documentary or like part of a documentary where it's about people that don't feel fear. Right. Um, I think I might be conflating it with one I saw about people that don't feel pain. Maybe it's the same thing. Yeah. Maybe a, a, a bullet has no pain receptors. Right. Yeah. And it's, it doesn't, it's not, um, uh, it's not like necessarily super aware of its own mortality. So if it doesn't have negative feedback for anything that's happening to it, it's not going to stop doing it. Exactly. Yeah. No negative feedback. It yeah. doesn't understand. It doesn't feel it if it gets hit and maybe it's, uh, it's carapace. It's armor yeah. is like too thick or something or just doesn't have the nerves. And it like, it doesn't stop eating. So in the, in its experience, all it knows is what it's experienced. And in its experience, it eats everything that it tries to eat. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's never not so, done it. Yeah. So that's, that's failure is just never so far been an option. so good. Right. Yeah. And so like by, by kind of like definition, they're not going to be, cause if they, fail to eat something it's because something killed it because they don't stop trying to eat stuff yeah right so and then it, if something killed it it's not like it's it's not around anymore it can't it can't keep doing it and because it doesn't give up it's not going to shy like once it gets wounded you know you can't like maim it and then chase it away it's, it's just not going to stop right yeah it might try to take a different angle on you or something but it's yeah. not going to like lick its wounds or something yeah. it's just going to go back underground and try to jump out of try again, again. Yeah. and like, like a minute yeah so that's a good i think uh good way of like because the ank hag is also like an ambush predator although it's more stationary yeah but this is a way of playing it a little differently which i think is good there's one more paragraph before, uh, uh, arcane creation some sages believe that it's the cross between a turtle and an armadillo <laughs> with some demon icker with an infusion of demon icker so there's your wizard did it yeah. explanation um a turtle and an armadillo not the most i guess like a demonic turtle armadillo yeah 
uh you know that's, that's as plausible an explanation as anything that really like that's kind of really doubling down on it having a shell more than it being like a burrowing super predator right because they both those things burrow yeah but they don't like a, a turtle i think i've seen turtles burrow and they can do it kind of fast but yeah. they don't gain any distance they're just doing it to like lay eggs yeah they can hustle the, those arms pretty well yeah but they can cover themselves in like desert tortoises can cover yeah. themselves in dirt pretty fast but they're, they're not traveling under the ground yeah. they're 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 making themselves into a little hill and as far as armadillos i don't i've never seen one burrow so i don't know how i think fast they live they in go. burrows I know, yeah, 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 I know, I know that they do, yeah. bro, but I don't, I don't know how fast they go. Yeah, I don't. It's, it's actually like really physically difficult to burrow quickly. Yeah, that's like that's not that's like that's not really a thing. Um, <laughs> like the the fastest burrowing animals are probably like moles, right? Right. Like like tiny little little rodents with like those sweet claws. Like yeah. and even like physiologically, it looks with its claws, it looks a little bit more like it, there's a bit of bit of mole in it too. You know, the big claws. Sure, the big, yeah, the big. Yeah, uh, I guess the armadillo kind of covers that. Right. But, um. uh, The big, like, shovel claw. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, there's, there's a reason that, like, we don't have, like, really fast tunneling machines. It's right. Because it's really, really difficult Super to tunnel, tunnel yeah. fast. So this is kind of, like, it, it, it exists within the realm of fantasy. Like, this, we just totally to suspend your disbelief. And it, that's kind of what makes it such a great monster is that well, we can talk about this now, maybe. Or actually, there's one more point on the, okay. the description I want to talk yeah. about. We will kind of get to how it's such an unlikely looking monster yeah. to be doing all these things. Yeah. And that's kind of what makes it great. Yeah. Also. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because like, I don't know. I, I, I like to think about how um, like the, a, a well executed like player character can respond to different monsters mm-hmm. and i i like having um uh like if you if you have like a scholarly wizard type of character being like no this this can't it doesn't work like that you yeah. can't tunnel through the earth that's not how it works yeah and somebody could be like well it's, it could be magic it's like well everything could be magic yeah but that's, it doesn't mean this maybe is it's magic. a turtle armadillo with demon icker yeah yeah like <laughs> somebody finds a corpse of one and they're like well there's no way it can tunnel really fast because its arms don't reach in front of its head how would it move <laughs> around that quickly it can't tunnel shut up that's how to take and then they get eaten by a bullet halfway through explaining yeah. why it's physically because they go they move as fast on land as they do through earth yeah and they move slightly slower than you can run yeah underground <laughs> that's yeah that's exactly. pretty fast they can yeah they will catch up to you yeah if you're running at a full if you're using both your actions to run and you're 30 feet oh per, that's true yeah they're faster than you they're faster on than land you. and through the earth yeah Imagine just like running through the earth. That's what they do. Yeah. The one the one thing uh, in the description, their young are almost never seen, and it's suspected that they have secret nests underground somewhere that oh, no one's ever seen. Oh, yeah. Uh, may or may not be important, depending on what your game is. Yeah. Okay, forget that. That wasn't that important to interrupt what we were doing. Talking about the bullet, how it looks. Oh, yeah, that's the right. Um, so the Monster Manual 5th Edition, it has a big, like... A uh, gaping maw, like a bucket of a head. It looks like yeah. a giant beak. Yeah. Um, sort of. It's got a big scoop. Its bottom jaw is a big scoop, and it's uh, it looks like it's covered in plates. Yeah. It's like a, a chitinous, uh, bony plate. Yeah. Everywhere, it is bursting out of the ground, so you only see the top half of its body, yeah. and it's got three claws on each of its forelimbs, and they are both broad. Um 
kind of like like we just said mole looking yeah big broad shovel claws yeah uh west is totally right it doesn't look like it can reach in front of its head so i don't know how it burrows in front of it i mean i've never seen like a video of like how would a star nosed mole actually burrow but you can kind of they I'm, you know, this is this is a podcast you can't see what i'm doing with my hands but they kind of reach in front of themselves and pull yeah. themselves through i imagine yeah, it's right? kind of like they're swimming and they have. Are you looking that up right now? <laughs> how how mole? Uh, yeah, no, I I will in a second. I was I want to see what the rest of the bullet's body looks like oh. in other artistic depictions. Yeah, because they kind of they kind of sold themselves short here. Yeah. Part of the fun of the the bullet is that it looks like it can't do what it says it can do. Yeah, and it's this really bizarre monster. They've they've tried to make it look. Um, vaguely shark like yeah so it's got like a big broad head um with a big face yeah and they've kind of left the bottom half to the imagination but it still even just the top half of it looks really unlikely to be going very fast under the best of circumstances um but it looks definitely looks uh, angry and dangerous yeah and like i could swallow things pretty well um the stat block for it, so he was standing leap, which is something I wouldn't have thought, is a long jump of 30 feet, and its high jump is 15 feet with or without a running start. So it can just, it can just it can spring just up and forward out of the for air. no reason. Yeah. Uh, which I guess makes sense if it's leaping out of the, the earth. So that's the idea, yeah. is that it, because it has the same speed underground as it does on land, yeah. then it just bursts out of the ground yeah. and leaps and attacks. Um, if you, you can't really run away because A, it tunnels faster than you can and it can just jump out of the ground to go an extra 20 feet. Yeah. It's just, yeah. And the thing, uh, I don't know if it, I just, this just occurred to me. Yeah. Um, so it's got a bite, which does whatever, um, decent amount of damage, but the, the real deal is the deadly leap. So if it jumps at least 15 feet as part of its movement, it can then use this action to land on its feet in a space that contains one or more other creatures. And then each of those creatures has to make a strength or dex save to, or be knocked prone and take a bunch of damage and slashing damage. And then, uh, yeah. So I don't know how, if, so the way, the way movement and actions work in fifth edition mm -hmm. is like now these days you can move part of your, uh, movement speed. Yeah. And then attack and then keep moving. Yeah. Right. I don't know if I'm reading this wrong, but it looks like you could have the bullet jump at least 15 feet, do this deadly leap thing. Yeah. And then make it burrow underground again. And then not like you could, you could keep attacking and burrow underground and never be hit. Oh, you don't wow. have to, cause you don't, cause like, imagine like if you're, uh, looking at just like you're in an open field and you get attacked by a bullet and the, the DM is exploiting the rules to full effect. It means that yeah. you can attack and then move again. So you just move underground and there's like no way a normal party yeah. is going to be Unless able to hit it. Unless you put enough distance between it and trick its stupid little bullet brain so that it tries to leap at you and then give it just enough time so that it's above ground before it can tunnel under. Then you can like do something to it. Yeah. That's like the only way to like use the game You have game to be like really strategic and strategic to like deal with this thing. Otherwise, you climb on top of a rock and hang out up there. Right. And yeah. which is a good point because... Uh, the original drawing of the bullet yeah. is of the of the whole creature out of the ground climbing up a tree where a halfling is standing is sitting in like the tallest branch <laughs> yeah and this really like goofy looking it looks like a monster oh, yeah it looks like a man in a suit that's great in you a, should look in at a this monster picture. suit yeah uh, listeners is climbing a tree and um so that looks like that's what they're trying to do is explain the rules. Um, but I don't know. I don't know if that's actually how it works. Um, that's probably not how you should play it because um, like when the monsters know the rules of the game, that's kind of weird. 
Yeah. I feel like you, you like, that's the tricky part is if you're the DM and you're playing the monsters, you've got to really inhabit the headspace of the monster you're playing. And like, there's a way, like, look, just looking at the rules, like, you could, if you're really creative and you're like, like, actually, like, playing this monster to try to kill everybody, there's a lot of ways that you can do that. That, yeah. like, uh, uh, like that creature, like an intelligence too creature that just knows how to bite things and jump at them wouldn't necessarily do. But if you have like a, like a, like a, like a lich or a vampire or somebody, they can, like, go really tactically and like, yeah. play to win more you know yeah so it, d- it depends on the monster you're you're being and i think like it doesn't have those are the only two things it can do is bite and deadly leap mm-hmm. knock everyone uh prone but like, look at the size of its mouth and think about how it would work as a predator i think it should be grabbing people and dragging them underground yeah totally which would probably make it a much more dangerous creature because like <laughs> if it's just it's just fighting to eat right like it's not trying to kill everybody yeah necessarily like i imagine you just burst out grab someone and go down and then yeah. eat it bury them alive <laughs> come back like for really it later. struggling and then yeah. come back to it in like five minutes when it's been dead from being buried alive. exactly yeah because it's got a big scoop of a face like yeah you could fit out you could fit something in there it could for be sure. like a pelican it could just swallow something whole or mostly and yeah. then just tunnel back underground and then let go and then tunnel away a little yeah. bit and then you're... or just sit there and like let it and like eat it yeah. slowly or something totally. Because what are you going to do? You're underground, you know? You can't do anything. You can't you're, do anything. You're so you're done. Yeah. Which is why, like, I think what's the, the really dangerous thing about it, but it's not in the stat block. Mm-hmm. Because I think they struggle with, um, like, it, they've, it's a really good idea for a monster, but if they really kind of follow it through to its conclusion of, like, what this kind of thing would do, I think yeah. it's it's way more powerful than than challenge rating five or whatever yeah well and it's also the kind of thing we're like just looking at because this is a very animalistic monster yeah and then just looking at nature because it's pretty much physically impossible to like be like a fast tunneling super predator yeah that's why that's why we we don't see any because if that was a thing that you could do something would fill that niche right and all life on earth would be over (laughs) subject to the land sharks that eat everything right away so uh that's kind of what makes it like such an intimidating monster is because it's uh exploiting this like thing you know yeah like i actually think it's probably the most dangerous it's one of the most dangerous monsters in the whole book yeah because of of this weird combination of powers which it's not fully addressing in the in its description yeah but it also doesn't it officially can't do that yeah i don't think so you might be safe. You might be safe, but it, it, there's still. That I would thing still where, want to do that. Like that's yeah. It's hard not to do that because that's the scariest yeah well, thing it could do. Just think about like what a shark can do in water. This thing does in dirt. Yeah. Right. So it can like if it, if you can imagine a shark like le- leaping out of the water, biting you or slamming into you, and then immediately diving right under before you can do something about it. That's no problem to imagine. You can imagine a shark doing that. Yeah. Right. So the bullet can do it. Have you seen uh, the silt shark? The silt shark. It is a monster from Dark Sun. It is it is basically the bullet, except instead of like it, it exists in silt, right? Sand. Yeah. But it's much more like an actual shark. Okay. But it's got... The illustration is great because it's got like... It looks like a shark, except the fins on the sides have these like kind of... They're not quite fingers, but they're like... It looks like they're just fingers enough that you could kind of actually see it like swimming (laughs) through, but then grabbing like the sand to help Mm. push it to like grab things. Um, But only a little bit. Like it's not like over the top. And it is for some reason, it's like way more plausible than the the bullet, even though it's like actual... It's like more of an actual land shark. 
but you can see you can almost uh, oh, picture yeah. the fin like jaws style sticking up out of the ground and then swing around a bunch of sand and then you know that you're screwed yeah that's the yeah one. okay uh, uh to we do a lot of pictures and i tried i thought i had solved the instagram on the desktop problem but i tried it and all i did was post a bunch of black photos all right a, uh so i'm still working on it but um i'll, I'll try harder but the photo the the image is great it's a like a literal land shark bursting out of the sand and it's got these weird grabby fins um but it works because you can kind of imagine the suppleness of a of a shark gliding through uh loose sand yeah loose sand that's easier to imagine for i me. imagine yeah i imagine that must be easier but the like the real like that that is a really good i think that's less of a of a of a what the fuck situation than the the bullet because the bullet is like it's almost like an f you to the players because it doesn't make any sense yeah and they're just you just are forced to deal with it yeah which is great because it it uh it's it's a fantasy world where everything is extremely hostile and things don't actually have to make sense but you still have to deal with them and that's what the the bullet does yeah but the silt shark is great because it actually looks plausible and it kind of in a weird way because it's 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 just more it's just like a shark with fingers right yeah <laughs> so which is yeah. not at all real but it like it kind of makes more sense yeah uh, I'm willing to suspend my disbelief mm-hmm. a little more, but I, I I like the 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 image of like some some adventurers like scratching their heads at some upturned trees and be like, well, I wonder how that happened, and then just suddenly with zero warning, a yeah. monster leaps. Or imagine imagine feet. even seeing it on land first, yeah, and being like, oh man, how are we going to deal with it? And like, hey, here's our plan, and then you just watch it like go underground yeah. in, in an instant, faster than you like, feel like it should be able to move. Why should? Why is this happening? Yeah, and I'm. It's I'm depending on how deep it would burrow. You get that like Bugs Bunny. <laughs> Like oh, trail totally. of upturned dirt coming at you. Totally. Yeah. Reminiscent of like a like a torpedo. Yeah. Having the wake visible just at the surface of the water. And then yeah. you, it would just be coming at you. And I like, think you should you stick a fin do? on it. The top fin. Yeah. Totally unnecessary. The, um, well, even the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the plastic toy it was based on has yes. a fin. Get into that. Yeah. So, um, I think this is, uh, the, the, the story is Gary Gygax had this plastic toy from like a bag of like random monster toys you can get from like a dollar store or something. It might have just been like a like a like a like a weird little plastic toy looking at it and thought like this is a monster. I think he used it as a miniature with his players mm-hmm. when he was running a game and then came up with this idea of being a land shark. But if you look up the, the actual plastic toy, it's 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 basically the picture. It's basically the bullet. More or less, yeah. More or less with a little fin on its back. Um, it's a very, it's like this weird, silly little thing that, uh, yeah, yeah. they were, uh, he got bags of these things. They were like made in China plastic figurines and they were mostly, um, they were like dinosaurs and like, like bad versions of dinosaurs. Oh yeah. This is just like a, like a, like a really bad attempt at a dinosaur. They were, uh, a lot of them were like based on, uh, or like leftover designs from Japanese monster right okay movies yeah and TV shows mm-hmm. so there was a, it's a kaiju right okay um and that explains like the monster manual picture of it trying to go up a tree it just looks like a guy in a suit yeah because it's so baggy and it like, does goofy. it looks like it should be fighting the Power Rangers yeah it looks like it should be fighting Ultraman or something yeah. uh because that's kind of that's where it came from it was yeah. from kaiju designs yeah. That's um, great. And so that was the original 
image more in line with like a power rangers villain Mm -hmm. and then it was given this like weird land shark ability and then next editions try to like do more with the land shark idea or like change it up or like just take the the basic body plan like how and like all right we're fantasy artists how can we make this cool yeah and then they did their best and they actually made something pretty horrific (laughs) (laughs) it's true yeah it's true the uh um the original monster manual uh guy entry see if i can find it here give me one second i had it i had it open and then i lost it yeah so here it is there's some stuff it it hasn't really changed it's some interesting details that you could play with so the 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 bullet or land shark was thought to be extinct until recently when this horror reappeared so i don't know what you could do with that yeah uh it was the result of a mad wizard's experiment crossbreeding of a snapping turtle and armadillo with infusions of demon's ichor so that was very first entry that's like that's canon that's what it is different editions like did away with it and then brought it back and now it's like a kind of a grandfathered in idea uh, they range temperate climates, feeding on horses, men, and most other flesh. Dislike dwarf and shun elf. They love halflings. Hung- hungrily dig them from their burrows. <laughs> <laughs> Always hungry, fear nothing. Uh, they will attack a large, powerful party just to eat a horse or two. So that, that's kind of interesting uh, yeah. because original D and D. Um, you had to consider things more closely than people tend to now, like encumbrance. Yeah. How do you actually physically get the treasure out of a place and into yeah. your house or wherever you're putting it? Um, you would have hirelings that you would like pay minimum wage yeah. to like, you had a, you had a torch boy yeah. who would hold a torch in yeah. the dungeon. So you would have your hands free for fighting or whatever. Yeah, you'd have to like hire some people to carry the, yeah, the you had to hire porters. Chest. You had yeah. to, you, you could hire, there were like, it was like a real part of the game a regular part of the game to hire underlings yeah. to work for you. Which is like like an actual medieval knight would have like all of this support staff. Right. Right. Yeah. So. And like when you when you think of it as like an in, uh, an adventuring party, yeah. part of it is logistics. Yeah. And like for every main event person, every like named every uh, uh character yeah. The, that is a rogue or a fighter or a wizard or whatever, you probably have a few support characters. Yeah. Or like a caravan and horses. And like you have to think about these things that most people don't deal with now, but it was a regular part of the game. So a way you could actually harass the party without making it a life or death situation every yeah. single time is have a bullet or other creature attack the uh, tertiary things of the party. Yeah. Attack the horse. Yeah. And like deplete resources or attack like the torch boy or like um things like that that don't actually end up into like a um like it doesn't actually every time have to be PCs against a creature fighting them in particular. It's like they're fighting it off from their livestock or whatever yeah. is going on. Or it's like gonna swallow their 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 cart full of treasure. And like we gotta like stop this somehow or something. And then you have to um you would often try to keep morale up or you would try to like the different like different npcs might have different morale scores right and then if something bad happened you'd have to roll and they might leave you (laughs) if they didn't roll well and if you're not like their disposition towards you would change how they roll so you want to treat them well or if you're like if you're really pressing them to do things then they're more likely to run away if, if things get hot yeah um, so this is a good way. Uh, a good primal threat is attack the support system of your party instead of yeah. just the uh, the actual bodies of the, the characters. And then you could have a whole adventure. I'm like, well, I mean, our horses got eaten, our carriage is broken, and this thing is still out there. 
presumably just finishing up eating those horses. Yeah. So what we've, do we do? We've got some time because yeah. they're not hungry anymore, but like, I don't know how much time and mm-hmm. how we get away from this. Yeah. But that's a great way to do a whole adventure on it, or at least part of one. Mm-hmm. Survival that's, horror, kind you, of. You draw straws and then one of you has to wander out, yeah. ringing a bell, <laughs> yeah. stomping around. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, or or you like sacri- like you you bring like a sacrificial donkey or yeah. something, and you make it like make a ton of noise. Yeah, if I could count the number of times people in my game have like weaponized livestock, um, you could fill a, you could fill a tiny book. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It also mentions after this, uh, when a cornered or seriously wounded, they can jump up to eight feet in the air with blinding speed and strike with all four feet, which is a great image. That's great. Just and like, just all four feet coming at you, which yeah. is a total kaiju move. Like That's an awesome. Early, uh, like early monster of Japanese horror movie yeah. thing. It's just like totally. Well, and how many like Godzilla fights was there? Just an absurdly long flying kick. Exactly. That one of them would do either they Godzilla sh- or his opponent. The, right? the the bullets should definitely do a bizarre flying kick. Yeah. They go straight through the air. There's no arc to it. Yeah. They're just on like a zip line. Mm-hmm. Kicking yeah. you in the face. <laughs> the, the, some onlookers being like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. yeah. I think the ability should also, uh, don't change it, but like it should be able to stand on two feet so it can do the crazy like uh, kaiju. Yeah. Like it looks, it looks like it should be a man in a suit. Even yeah. No, it's totally not. Yeah. But it, it, that's how it that's works. That's a good feature of any monster is just make it look like it <laughs> should be somebody in a costume, uh, yeah. but it's, it's, it's not. Like the uh, the uh, the the other school in Clone High, where they're genetically engineered people, and then they have a mascot, it, but it has a zipper, and then they undo the zipper to reveal the guy, and its organs fall. <laughs> <laughs> Never have <laughs> seen that engineered with a zipper. Yeah, the, it could have a zipper as a weak spot. <laughs> <laughs> then that would be the clue that it was made by wizards. Right. Yeah, and all. All that comes out of it are uh, snapping turtles and armadillos. <laughs> they made they, <laughs> they just put a bunch of these monsters into a sack. Yeah, they put waved a, a magic <laughs> wand, and then the sack took on the properties of its contents. They, put, they filled the sack full of snapping turtles and armadillos and dipped it in demon ichor. Yeah, and that's set what it a couple is. magic. So words. if you open it, then they all fall out, and the whole thing's over. Yeah, which is great because there's uh, the last lines in this. Mo- original monster manual thing for the bullet is the shell under the bullet's crest an area about a foot and one half square is only ac6 which is lower than uh, the rest of it and in a fierce fight the monster tends to raise its crest and expose this vulnerable area its eyes are armor class four but they're relatively small so this seems to suggest you can call your shots about where you're trying to hit it oh right? yeah that's very different than now yes right because now armor class takes weak points and the difficulty to hit those weak points into all account rolls right? it all, all up into an average a composite kind of feature right yeah. but this is like weird but okay that's a, i'm wrapping my head around like a different idea of armor yeah class, and i'm but, not entirely sure how it handled it yeah. but i think like it's it it turns up a bunch uh in games and until you explain it a few times it doesn't yeah. really click with people because people tend especially newer players tend to want to uh call their shots yeah like say i want to hit it right in the eyes or something like that and you're like yeah. well i know you want to hit it right in the eyes but like that will be determined by how well you roll against yeah. its normal ac anyways and if you do a lot of damage then you could be said yeah. to have successfully hit it in the eyes yeah or something like that if you right? roll in at 20 you can hit it any way that you want right it's right. like it's already wrapped up in the game yeah. you don't have to like call your shots 
but on the other hand, uh, it makes for a much more interesting and involved game if you let that kind of stuff happen because then players get to think about rather than just swinging and hitting and doing damage Mm. they can think about like i want to blind it or i want to hit in a specific in a specific part to get a certain outcome yeah so i I find people that are newer to the game they want to have specific outcomes happen from hitting somebody instead of just doing damage yeah hit them in a certain way and yeah yeah totally and knock them over i want to knock them i want to daze them or i want to uh blind them and stuff like that yeah um I which are, shoot its hand so it drops its weapon yeah yeah and, stuff like that and i really think that should be encouraged but it's hard to referee because every single new novel situation that they yeah. want to have happen you have to be like okay i guess i gotta come up with like a system for how this happens yeah. and like should it be do you come up with an overall like Pathfinder does the uh, the combat maneuver role? Yeah, which is it's it's like its way of dealing with all these extra things that can happen. Or do you come up with like a more simpler thing? Yeah. So you got to think about that. I've seen some pretty easy stuff on uh, like you can find house rules how other people handle this all over the place that vary in complexity. Yeah. Usually simpler is better. But then you lose. It all depends on your group. Yeah. Like whatever, how complex it is should be what your players like. Yeah. I would personally, what I would go for is if you're going for like a really specific called shot, like I want to shoot it in the eye. Yeah. Like that's generally pretty difficult. So if you roll high enough, like if you roll a critical hit, you do. Or like maybe I'd even like depending on what it is, like sh- maybe maybe like a like a nineteen or an eighteen on yeah. the die would work too. And then if you roll well enough, then the thing you were specifically aiming for, you aim for. If you don't roll well enough, but you're still above its armor class, you hit it, just not where you're aiming for. Sure. And otherwise, not not exactly. And so that makes it so you can't just like constantly be shooting arrows in everything's eyes all the that's time. That's the thing. Yeah. Right? That's what you. That's that's the danger when you make a rule one time and then it like it becomes somehow exploitable later yeah so hard hard to uh rule but when in doubt do like a utilitarian calculation to like maximize fun <laughs> throughout <laughs> yes. the whole game uh yes. if something will make a certain encounter more fun but ruin all the other ones maybe don't do it yeah and even i've it's happened to me where i've made a, a ruling to work something out one time and then the same thing kind of happens again yeah but i make a different ruling because it all it's the contextual right yeah yeah and you yeah and it's a kind of a give and take between players and and dm to like be okay with sometimes you don't want even though it's like this you're kind of dealing with the same stuff you don't want the ruling to go down the same way because there's there's some other smaller Mm -hmm. things that change the context or, or whatever so you have to be willing to come up with systems and then come up with like a new system later on yeah. and have everyone be okay with it. Personally, as a player, I kind of like it when my plans go horribly wrong. Right. Because that's interesting, right? But yeah. But it can be boring to just be told, no, you can't do it, yeah. which is a danger as well. But like you yeah. want to, it's weird. You want to like encourage, but also you don't want to um, let it, let people do whatever they want all the time. Yeah. So you got to walk that line. But weak, weak points on a monster rarely turn up, even though it's such a trope in video mm-hmm. games. Yeah. And even in, in myth, in myth. Yeah, so totally. Even in the smog, the, uh, the guy had, hey, Carl. Hey, Carl. <laughs> Boulette. See, that's another pronunciation. That's a good one. I like yet. that one. Yeah, it's pretty rad. Sure. Yeah, we're just uh, we're I think we're almost done. I think we're pretty close to done. Yeah. 
<laughs> that was the uh, <laughs> that was uh, the last point on that weak weak spots. Weak That's bo- what we were yeah, talking weak about. Spots. Weak spots. Yeah. Um, I don't think it turned like uh, smog. That's what I was saying. Yeah. Smog had the one scale that was removed, so you could hit him where yeah. it counted. Yeah. But you don't see that turning up in D and D almost ever because of the averaged out AC. Yeah. But, but it should I mean, be there. I think it sort of becomes a storytelling thing, though, right? Because mm-hmm. if you get a really good hit in there, that's you got it in the weak spot. Yeah. Right. So. And then that's the things. And then that's the thing people make songs about. Yeah. Because then it becomes like having weak points, and then hitting the weak point is like that turns up in 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 stories and myth. Yeah, Achilles' heel, right? So then, being the first person to do that to the Bueller or whatever is like a big deal. The Bueller. <laughs> yeah, the Bueller. <laughs> the Bueller. <laughs> video gamer enemy that's like a big glop yeah <laughs> the contra games for that yeah i remember seeing an onion art boss at the contra of that spot on his <laughs> yeah yeah or like in any of the zelda games that always be a glowing yellow spot yeah you know yeah and maybe because if we're doing the the bullet um more in line with its like kaiju it's like a, a c c level b list yeah. kaiju origins um, maybe it actually does have a glowing red yeah. spot on it because it, if it if you're going with like the wizard did it thing and it's actually it's a bag it's a sack full of snapping turtles yeah. and armadillos inside yeah then why not have also a big glowing thing where yeah. that's like we point where the zipper is the way they the way they address there being like marked weak points on monsters in a shadow of the colossus which mm-hmm. is a really good game is that your sword was magic and it was your sword that was telling you where to stab oh, the monster. Oh, yeah, that's good, too. Yeah. That would be a good item, like a, a, a bullet-seeking, yeah. a bullet weak point-seeking weapon. Yeah, it makes, like, the weak points in its armor glow a little bit when you're holding the sword. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Exposes the bullet zipper. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> so the zipper. Can... It's a zip finder. Yeah. The uh, the other versions and the other editions, they change the size of it a bunch of times. Um, sometimes it's it's in the fifth edition, it's large. Sometimes it's the size bigger. And the bigger you get, the more likely it should be swallowing people and burying them. Yeah. Um, but it's just the large one here. Uh, it also changes how it looks all the time. But I think as close to like the land shark description is better. Did you ever? Uh, I keep getting this little like bell in my mind rung when I say the words land shark, like it's some sort of cultural thing I should know about. There's a SNL sketch, I think, right, where there was like door to door salesman, which is like a that's like a land shark is like a person I think that like buys and sells property and screws right. people over in the process. I'm I'm not sure exactly, but there was an SNL sketch where there was literally land sharks that would knock on your door, say that they're land sharks, and then they eat you. Right? Uh, yes, Carl. Carl raised his hand. Uh, I believe that the land shark. Is- is actually a a piece of Australian tourist trickery. Oh, like the drop bear like and the drop the... bear and the hoop snake. I right. think the land shark is part of. It. Okay. Okay. But the SNL sketch takes it and makes it into like a, a modern yeah uh, comedy thing. Yeah. About a door to door salesman who actually eats you by trying to get in through your door. Yeah. That's a good so. way. Of being I don't know. I, I I don't know. I think I remember my parents referencing that bit, but I've never seen the bit. Right. So so ask your parents. Yeah. About that. Um, that's a good way of doing the bullet instead of roaming and plaguing villages because yeah. you could do a Jaws style thing where like, but it's all on land where like a village is plagued by a, a bullet yeah. swimming around <laughs> eating horny teenagers. Yeah. Or you could have it actually come to your house in its big goofy kaiju suit and like knock on your door and be like uh room service and you're like i don't i'm not in a hotel i'm in my house what are you talking about and then they answer it and then it eats them yeah (laughs) great (laughs) um we didn't get are we coming up in an hour Um, coming up in an hour 
Oh, pretty much exactly. Yeah. Well, we didn't get to talk about Tremors, but we finally saw it. Yeah, we watched Tremors. We'll bring up Tremors with the next land-based ambush predator, which I'm sure is coming up. <laughs> yeah, we'll get... Though this one was... The thing about this one is it literally has Tremor sense, but there are other monsters with Tremor sense. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we'll get to Tremors. Don't you worry, Kevin Bacon. You just sit back down. <laughs> um, final final thought with Bulets for me. Uh, steal from all crappy or so crappy they're good monster movies. Yeah. Sharknado could be yeah. a Bulet NATO. Yeah. Uh, absolutely you could get the players into special suits ultron suits yeah and like wrestle <laughs> wrestle over mountains yeah if you wanted um, you could have a uh, uh, wizards enlarge the bullet like rita from that show that's power rangers, power right? rangers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah uh yeah kaiju do it up or just have it be Either version is good. The one in the book is great. You don't need to change mm-hmm. much, yeah. I don't think. Have it constantly chasing after every halfling every, yes. everywhere. Yes, delicious halflings. Yeah, uh, yeah that's a, that's about it for me. Yeah. You got anything else to say? No, that's it. What's next? It's the... Bullywug. The bullywug. The indifferent frog. The, <laughs> yeah. Frog goblins. Well, good. See you then. Uh, goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>